We're talking to Annie and we're talking about WWE groupie Ellen Bohm. Content warning is for brief mention of Hulk Hogan. Come join us on Patreon. We have a general support tier as well as a tier that gets you three bonus episodes a month. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Tell No One Podcast or send us an email at tellnoonepod at gmail.com. Sources are in the show notes. Everything's alleged, but this is definitely Tell No One. Enjoy. Yeah. Life update. Yeah. I have a fucking nephew. Oh. I squid you a little fucking baby. A little baby was born. A little Aquarian. Yeah. Surrounded by Aquarians. I'm afraid of them. They're spacey. They're like telling you what they think. Sure, yes, definitely. I don't know how to like start this. Okay. I'm going to tell you about a woman, but I'm going to start with her dad. Context. Okay. All right. So John Booker is a man. Mm. When he was 13, his father died in a train and car accident. Oh. <laughs> I think they like were hit by a train. I'm not sure. Um so John actually watched his father burn to death in the engulfed car and his aunt and another couple and their baby. Mm. He was the only survivor. He ends up dropping out of high school and becoming an alcoholic. It's also like kind of old timey. We're like 50s, uh, 40s. Yeah, they died on the train drive. Right. I guess that is a given. <laughs> so he inherited a lot of farmland from his father, but ended up selling most of it and like wasting all the money he got from it on alcohol and like women. So he gets married and he has seven children with his wife, Mary, and then he fully abandons them, just ups and leaves. He moves to St. Louis and remarries a woman. Well, he marries her, um, a woman named Catherine. And they have a daughter, Ellen, who will be the focus of our story today. If you found out your dad had a double life, or not a double life, but a former life. An abandoned family. Where he abandoned a huge family. (laughs) (laughs) Not just any family. No, a big old like Catholic family. Yep. So when Ellen is a junior in high school, he abandons them as well. Dude. So he leaves them, never comes back. He is put into a nursing home a year later. He's just like mush not, brain. Yeah. He's like 65 and is mush. Um, and he dies of cancer in 1979. So Miss Ellen, she is 18 when she meets Paul Bohm. Paul is much older. He's like in his late 30s Ew. and he's married. Yeah, his marriage to a woman named Susan is ending and he's living alone in an apartment. Uh, He met his wife, Susan, through a pen pal service when he was in Vietnam. They got married quickly after he got home from Vietnam. And she was happy that he was fine with her being overweight. And he would say, quote, I love all 300 plus pounds of you. (laughs) Shut up, man. (laughs) Not the number. Yeah. She's you like, don't need what? to invoke the number every time you t- tell me you love me. Like 317.8 pounds of you. <laughs> like, come, come on. <laughs> um, He does leave her, though. Well, yeah, for like an 18-year-old. Who's also a little overweight. Well, I love Just my saying. curvy wife. He, he's, a, he's the curvy wife guy. Um, He ends up adopting her two children that she had from a previous relationship, and then they have two kids together. The original wife? Yeah, Susan. Ellen and Paul move in together. 
They like okay, buy. Now that now he, we're with our teenager. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Roger that. I love turning thirty eight. I love being a man <laughs> turning thirty eight and getting my teen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> your Saturn routine. Uh, they move in. They buy like a little house and it has like a furnished basement. So her mom, Catherine, falls on hard times and Paul offers her a place to live in their basement. Ellen is like not thrilled by this. She's like, I just got out from under my mom's thumb, but fucking fine. They have their first child together, a daughter named Stacy, which is not her real name. That's an alias. Uh, And then two years later, they have a son, Stephen. So at this point, their marriage is in trouble, mostly because of Ellen's unrelenting obsession with professional wrestling. She goes to every match, every match that she can. You ever watch Fever Pitch? Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like that. And he would go with Ellen in the beginning. But after a while, he's like, I don't like it that much. Like, I'll go like once a week or whatever. But I can't go every day. We're going like daily. Yeah. she. They have season tickets for the local matches. And at one match, there was a couple in front of them. And the wife, like them, the wife was the big fan and the man like really wasn't. And this woman is named Deanne. So Deanne and Ellen have a lot in common. They have a lot in common. They become great friends. They talk about wrestling, their husbands and dieting. (laughs) (laughs) I love being a woman. (laughs) But both of their marriages are in trouble because of their wrestling obsessions. I don't even know what you really mean by that. We'll get into it. (laughs) And both their husbands end up like stop going to the matches. So it's just them now. Uh, Her and Deanne talk on the phone like all the time. And Deanne's like, me and my husband are separating. And Ellen's like, Paul isn't coming home right after work. And that's suspicious to me. You're all doing weird shit with your time. Yeah. (laughs) So she's becoming more obsessive with the wrestling. And over Memorial Day weekend in 1986, her and Deanne go on a road trip from St. Louis to Louisiana, like following the tour of the WWE. She's particularly obsessed with the million dollar man, (laughs) Ted DiBiase. She begins writing to him. Oh my God. We're fangirling Mm -hmm. for a living. We're not making money, but... Losing money. (laughs) Losing a lot of money. (laughs) So the managers and wrestlers start recognizing them at all the shows because they're at every show, like front row. Okay. She once drove 500 miles to a show and waited um, outside the building to get front row tickets. Why? She's pregnant also right now with her th- for the third time. Okay. I need to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> we <laughs> never really get to the bottom. She, well, she lives in a fantasy world. She's not really like in her life, mm-hmm. in her reality. Okay. Um, Paul is seeing another woman named Terry, who's also like 20. Yeah. Uh, Terry slips him her number. He's a bus driver on the bus route and we're off to the races. June 6, 1986, Paul tells Ellen on their sixth anniversary that, Hey, I actually have to get special treatment at the VA hospital for my exposure to agent orange from Vietnam. It's going to be months of of treatment. So I'm going to be leaving for months. Yeah. I will be at a local place for a little while, but then they're going to move me to Texas for months. Deanne was like, girl you leaving my family (laughs) deanne was like girl you're dumb so let's go see if he's telling the truth so they're gonna go do a drive by by the va hospital parking lot to see if his car is in that and it's not Mm. so ellen gets a call from a coworker letting her know that paul is having an affair with his wife terry and that they have left town together 
So he abandoned her as well. Oh my God. And he didn't even tell her. No, he lied. He said he's going to get Agent Orange treatment. She's pregnant, by the way. Oh, and another guy had to call you and be like, to be clear, like, I don't have a wife and you don't have a husband. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) July 25th, their son David is born. Paul shows up for the ho- at the hospital just to see him um, briefly, briefly, and then leaves. Get out! Of- no, get out of here! You no. don't get to. No. So Ellen returns home from the hospital as a single mother. She is now home alone with her three kids. Paul is in Tucson with Terry. Mm-hmm. He's just gone. He also has f- two kids with that other lady, Susan. And if I'm Ellen. I've been abandoned again. Exactly. My dad, dad, and then you. It might trigger some stuff. I don't know. I might freak out. She's now dependent on her mother, Catherine, to babysit um, while she works her secretary job. Paul is obviously not paying child support. Did you not have to, Beckman? He did have to. He just didn't. Okay. Maybe he'll get his license revoked, but that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was like $100 a week or something. So, like, even if he did. Yeah. But, like, give me... But give me um, Ellen and Susan, Paul's first wife, both bond together over them being ditched by Paul mm. and their children are half siblings. So, yeah, one day you're the 18 year old girlfriends and then you're the abandonee mm-hmm. in a span of six years. Mm. Fall of 1988, she files for bankruptcy, loses the house um, and they move into an apartment. She's now delivering pizza on top of her day job. It's bleak. You might want to. Delve into the fantasy world of WWE for a night. (laughs) (laughs) So this is not slowing down her true love for wrestling. Her mom will watch her children when she goes on overnight trips to wrestling matches. You can't afford that. No, she cannot. So in a Kansas City trip with DM, uh, Ellen really tries to make it happen with one of the wrestling refs. She's a groupie through and through. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a ref mm-hmm. oh, anyone fuck. tangentially related to the wrestling <laughs> to the Hulk world Hogan. uh-huh so this is a moment when deanne realizes like okay she's not in reality like she's not meshing with what's actually in front of her like she's in a fantasy land uh, okay because she is like hitting on this guy and it's not happening happening and she's like it's happening and deanne's like oh no oh you're a little off okay deanne is like genuinely a big fucking fan. She's a fan, but she's not like delusional about right, it. Okay. Yeah. Like she probably won't go bankrupt for the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so they always stayed at the same hotel as where the wrestlers and crew were staying because Ellen would haunt the lounge yeah. and the bar to try to talk to them. And also they're not, they're staying at like ritzy hotels. So she's got to shell out for that. Oh my God. She's behind on her utility bills as well as her debt repayments from when she declared bankruptcy. Her paychecks are being garnished and her phone lines cut off. Dude, I'm putting it all on the line. <laughs> That's to like maybe fuck a referee. Oh my act god. As if. Like how many times? What would a girl who did get fucked by a referee do? <laughs> Wake up every morning and do what she would do. What would her morning routine be like? <laughs> Thanksgiving 1988. Uh Ellen cooks the meal. And celebrates with her kids and her mother. Her mom leaves and Ellen starts putting the kids to bed. Um, but her youngest, David, like refuses to go to bed because he took a nap earlier and now is like not tired. Um, Stacy and Steven go to bed, but David wants to stay up to watch TV with her. So she sets him up on the floor and he's watching TV. And she just 
suddenly grabs a pillow from the no. couch and smothers him with it until he stops breathing. Oh my god. I feel bewildered. Wow. I thought you knew. No. Yeah, sorry. Well, they're not the problem. No. They're not the problem. Well, they are costing her a lot. Yeah, but like, do you have anything you could cut down on? Right. Do you have anything? Anything in your life. <laughs> anything clearly in front of you to cut down on? <laughs> anything in your life that's like super expensive. That you can a make- drain to your bank account that cut isn't back. even going anywhere. <laughs> it's pure enjoyment. Like getting your rocks off. <laughs> <laughs> she smothers David and he's like still on the ground. Mm-hmm. She calls her friend Sandy and they chat about Thanksgiving. She mentions that David refused to go to sleep tonight and that he had a cold and she had bought him some cough medicine. And then like towards the end of the conversation, she says, oop, I got to go. Like something's wrong with him. So now she calls 911 and wakes up Stephen and Stacy and tells them to get dressed to go to the hospital. But when they wake up and they like get together, she's like, I'm actually going to go run around for help. (laughs) So she's called an ambulance, told her kids they were driving to the hospital and is also now like running around in the apartment hallways. Yelling, like yelling help or whatever. But also like no one sees her when the EMTs arrive. She's not there. And little Stacy has to open the door and let them in and direct them to her dead brother on the floor. She's like seven. So the EMTs do CPR on David. Ten minutes go by before she comes back to the apartment from wherever she was. So, yeah, she finally appears as they are, like, loading him into the ambulance. But why does she do that? I don't know. To not have to be there and put on the show of being, like, Maybe. frantic? Like, I don't have it in me? Yeah, because when they do see her, she is oddly fine and refuses to ride in the ambulance with him. And Ooh. is like, I'll meet you there. So after the ambulance drove away without her... She calls her friend Sandy again and is like, can you watch my kids? I have to go to the hospital. So when she gets to the hospital, they are working on David. Um, he could not be resuscitated and was put on life support machines. So after an hour of like being at the hospital, she goes home and goes to sleep. Fuck. Um, the next morning, David is moved to the PICU, the pediatric intensive care unit. She rolls in at 9 a.m. with like a donkeys (laughs) girl wet hair and a (laughs) donkey so she calls deanne and deanne's freaking the fuck out she's like she's like she's david's godmother as well and like of course you're close with the kid hello this is traumatizing so she rushes to be there and ellen tells her that he was watching television and stopped breathing and turned blue okay Mm -hmm. then she says i want to go take a nap in the lounge and Deanne's like, yeah, okay, like, I bet you were up all night, like, assuming that she had been up all night. No. No, I wrong. Wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't assume that, Deanne. No, dude. So she's like, I'll go sit, like, vigil by his bedside while you go nap. Like, I'm sure you've had a traumatic night. They're like that till 11 p.m. She's sleeping all day in the lounge. What? Yeah. Not a care in the fucking world. Not any, like, updates, like, nothing. So doctors come into his room and do brain scans and they tell Deanne, because like his mom's nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Um, they tell Deanne that there's almost no activity. Uh, she wakes Ellen up and the doctors tell them both that they're going to do another scan in the morning to like confirm. Um, but you guys can go home. Like there's nothing we can do tonight. When they get home, Ellen's like, want to watch wrestling? No, I'm having a big day. Today. This is like the worst day of my life. It's yeah. not even my kid. Me, Deanne. Yeah. So the next morning at the hospital, they are told that David is brain dead. Mm. Um, 
and she tells them to turn off the machines and they're all disturbed by her behavior. And they will say like, look, we've seen a lot of people act differently in these situations. We've never seen this though. Like fully. uh, Okay. Turn it off. Yeah. Unemotional. Um, Deanne is devastated. I think like you can tell when people are trying not to be emotional. Yes. And when they're genuinely not emotional. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And so they like, they let them have like a minute with his body. Don't need it. And she like holds him, but like Deanne's like, it looked as if she was putting on a show. Like she was doing something. It didn't seem genuine. Yeah. So they could, wouldn't you be like, Dan, can I have a minute? Right. Right. Like, can you fuck off? You're let me hold my kid. No, she like wanted to be seen doing it. Oh, they couldn't find any cause of death. So they label it SIDS. So Ellen calls her mother on the, um, and lets her know that she has turned off the machines. And then Deanne overhears her on the phone, ask her mom, like, hey, can I talk to Stacy? And Deanne stops her before she could tell her daughter about her brother's death over the phone. And they, like, argue about that. But eventually she's, like, fine. They need to, like, get a hug from their mom when they find out their kid brother died. She's going to tell her over the phone. So Ellen starts making funeral arrangements for David, but she's also very excited to get first row seats at an upcoming match. No, no joy anymore. If your kid died randomly, you'd have no joy anymore. Yeah. She calls Deanne and offers to buy the tickets on her way to the funeral. She's like, I can swing by. No, not like I can get him on my way. Yeah. To my two-year-old's funeral. The most tragic shit you could ever think of. Yeah. So da, da, da. her coworkers in like the community like rally around Ellen and raise over a thousand dollars for her. She also collects a five thousand dollar life insurance that she had on David through work. Did I say that? <laughs> um. Okay. Cool. Do I have to do it again, or can no, they take what they I gave can them? Take it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so she gets the five thousand um, dollar payout, but she refuses to pay the two thousand dollar funeral bill. So she bounces back oddly quickly. Her nail tech was surprised when she made her usual standing appointment a week after her son's death. Spent the whole appointment talking about wrestling and how all the men were like clamoring to sleep with her. And when talking about David at all, she said, all I have to do now is get rid of his toys. Get rid of? I don't even feel well. (laughs) (laughs) Get rid of yeah all i have to do now yeah, like, last to, like eradicate my... him from the earth all i have to do now to get this pesky memory out of my brain <laughs> is to burn his toys and then never bring him up again okay and dodge that bill for the rest of my life well they will be calling <laughs> yeah they will collect yeah clamoring by the way clamoring oh they're cl- well i said clamoring but but sh- like do you really think that and you think that you, like, Are wouldn't trying- if they had clamored? Exactly. <laughs> we know what happened in Kansas City and what didn't happen in Kansas City. Um, so now, so she has enough money to afford to pay the funeral ha- home and buy him a headstone, but she doesn't. Unmarked grave for my boy. <laughs> no. Yeah. I can't believe it. Cause you can't even like fake it. Like you're yeah. so greedy that you won't even like shell out a little bit of your life insurance yeah, yeah, yeah. to keep up appearances. Right. And you got that thousand dollars from the, your coworkers like raising money for you. 
And we didn't do that for you to go have fun. We did it for you to like bury Buy your kid. Buy the headstone, dude. Please. It's We're freaking us you. out. <laughs> Please. I can't walk by it. So she takes her alive kids to Disney World and a road trip. She goes on another road trip to a wrestling match. Deanne doesn't know about any of this like weird, funky m- money. money shit. She doesn't know that. 1989, the money's gone. Uh, one day they're eating lunch together and Ellen points out to Deanne like, oh, I work with that guy. He is like dying to take me away for the week. <laughs> and she's like, I don't believe you. Uh, <laughs> like she just makes that up. Yeah. She's like, he's clamoring for me. Does she really believe that? I think she is lying. Like, uh, no, no, she's lying. knowingly lying. Yeah. I think she just like makes it her sound good. I don't know. So Ellen is also overheard on. Okay. So her phone is cut off. So she has to make all her phone calls from the office. <laughs> her she's also overheard on her company phone talking to life insurance policies companies about increasing policies on her two remaining children she gets quotes for thirty thousand dollars each on steven and stacy she tells the company she'll think about it she talks to a coworker and asks for a referral to a different company and asks them for quotes she ends up getting two fifty thousand dollar life insurance insurances again (laughs) she ends up getting two fifty thousand dollar policies on august 22nd and then days later she got another company um and got another thirty thousand dollars each she also has five thousand each for work so each child was insured for eighty five thousand dollars and then she got more so now they're both up to a hundred thousand dollars each half a million yeah yeah sure right and so she's going to different companies so they don't know that each child is overly insured can you do that do what like go have multiple companies no. like okay because they're like you are putting a big bounty on this kid's head <laughs> frankly yeah. and i don't want to be involved yeah. with that and if you we- hit a particular number they're like okay well we'd call that a bounty <laughs> <laughs> in our business that's called, that's officially a bounty <laughs> um <laughs> And they would see that, like, she she can't afford to make these premium payments. Like, it's very odd that her phone's cut off, and yet she has, like, six monthly payments for life insurance. Like, right, huh? Like, you clearly don't intend to make them. Right. <laughs> or you, you clearly intend to, like, cash, cash in. Out. Yeah, cash in and cash out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So she goes days without talking to her kids while she's on wrestling trips. Who? Are they with her mom, probably? Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't even care to call. No. I'm going to kill you. Right. Why do I care? Right. Like, what's new? (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) So, side note. A couple months before David's death, Stephen was hospitalized for hypoglycemia, and he had a mild seizure. So, this made him be denied for an extra $20,000 policy. So, she's like, fucking fuck. (laughs) Rats. (laughs) All right. This is crazy. September 13th, 1989, Stacy is playing with her Barbie dolls in the bathtub. Steven is in bed and Ellen is putting away groceries. Um. <laughs> um, it's like, it's, it is okay, but it's like not okay. <laughs> Ellen grabs, <laughs> Ellen grabs her hair dryer. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ellen grabs her hair dryer and plugs it in right outside the bathroom door. Mm-hmm. Stacy is in the bathtub washing her face and her eyes are closed, but suddenly she hears a noise and feels 
a sudden body pain all over her body. She tries to get out of the tub, but can't. Um, can't move. Because she's being electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She screams for her mom, but Stephen runs in before Ellen even gets in there. Mm-hmm. And then Ellen comes and unplugs the dryer. Stacy is okay, and she gets out of the tub. It has blood coming from her mouth. Oh, my God. I know. And Ellen's like, we got to go to the ER, I guess. When you get electrocuted, do you get, like, cooked a little bit? Uh, I guess, yeah. Because I know, like, you smoke sometimes after. (laughs) 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 So is that cooking? (laughs) In movie. (laughs) I think you smoke. You get charred, for sure. If you get... um, Struck. By lightning, you cook you definitely smoke uh-huh like you do right <laughs> right right oh yeah okay yeah they're getting cooked yeah like that is like why it's a problem right it's <laughs> like cause of death yeah but she is fine so that's why like it's fine that i laughed that much so um ellen tells the er staff that steven told her that he had gotten the hair dryer to dry the barbie's hair and had accidentally dropped in the tub blaming steven who was tucked in bed me in bed for the night i bring a hair dryer me who ran who ran in to help mm-hmm. i did it where is that in my fucking life one of them my brother died a day ago basically <laughs> oh my god number two um mm-mm. so she's uh ellen is telling stacy this is what happened like oh. remember mm. Stacy's like that is not what happened. Like I know Stephen was in bed because I tucked him in. Because uh, you're negligent. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. They start arguing about it and they're like yelling at each other. Like neighbors overhear them yell about it. The little girl uh-huh. being like, "Mama, didn't fucking happen." Yeah. Whoa. But eventually, Stacy does just tell the story that Ellen wanted her to tell. I mean, she's seven years old. Was yeah, she going to take a stand? Do? Like, yeah. <laughs> she was fine. And, like, big night, by the way. I can't uh, fight. Right now. Wait, 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 wait. I think we're losing um, <laughs> focus of the reason we're all gathered here in this ER. Because I got smoked in the tub. I got my shit blasted in the tub. Me. The one who got smoked. I think I know how it happened. Can you believe it? She was going to electrocute her goddamn to daughter. Death. To death. <laughs> she did do she it she did do it it just didn't work <laughs> not to death because those plastic barbies grounded her i think now that i think about it <laughs> it probably helped safest th- the most um safe thing an electrical thing is plastic really and rubber well then hell yeah okay nine days later it's steven's fourth birthday okay a three-year-old dropped oh the goddamn god. thing i didn't yeah. know we were a baby yeah we're a little baby blaming me how very dare poor steven um, the next day he goes to a pediatrician appointment and was given his like routine vaccinations, um, looking good. Um, but they say, you know, watch out for a fever because of these vaccines. Great. Um, throughout the next few days, Ellen claims that Stephen can barely keep food down and that he's sleeping all the time. And that Monday she stays home from work to be with him because he's still sick. Mm-hmm. Um, she drives to a payphone. She does not have a phone. She drives to a payphone and calls her office and says, the same thing that happened to David is happening to Steven. Why are you calling me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But like, why are you calling me? Dead ass. And tells him, I can't come to work. I'm taking Steven to the hospital. Um, He just stopped breathing as I'm getting ready to go. I can't come to work. My kid 
Yeah, like you'll find out later. Yeah, like call them later. Mm-hmm. And are, you already called out for the day. What are you fucking talking about? Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't think you're going to come in. So the the really ghoulish thing is that Steven is completely healthy at this point. She just made that all like he's fine right now. Oh, she didn't even kill she him. She hasn't done it. She hasn't done it yet. yet. Oh, fuck you. So they they stop at a grocery store. She buys um children's Tylenol. Steven asks for Taco Bell, so they go get bean burritos. And then he starts crying that he misses David. Oh my god. So they stop by his grave his unmarked grave and then she calls her office back that afternoon and's like um we went to the hospital this morning and they discharged him because he's fine but now he's not fine again so we're going back to the hospital what the fuck am i gonna do about that they're like okay ellen okay dude you called out so she put oh god i hate this the idea of him crying for like the brother oh my god she sets Steven up to watch television while she cleans up the house. And then she no, faithfully takes a pillow and smothers him just like David. She runs out of her apartment, passes a neighbor's apartment who is a medical student <laughs> to run up to the eighth floor and bang on the door of an 88 year old man <laughs> to ask for help. But he's not home. Wonder where he is. So she eventually ends up knocking on the med student's door um, who calls 911 and runs to the apartment. He's giving him CPR. Um, he's not responding. Paramedics arrive, and she once again said, you know, I'm going to drive myself to the hospital. What is that? Like, I need to be free to leave whenever I want, have my own car there with me? I have no idea. Or, like, I don't want to shoot it. Yeah. Or, like, I can't, I can't do the show. You're mm-hmm. going to need me to be, like, blubbering. And like, I need I to drive over care. to, like, work that up. Yeah. Uh, she calls her office again and tells him the doctors are taking him off life support, which is like he was never put on life support. Like, she's just making shit up. He had actually already have been pronounced dead when she says that. And we don't need a play by play. No, it's very weird. So she calls Deanne, uh, tells her it's happening again. Dude, that's like the binky bonky brain of like the same thing, unexplainable, same things happening. Yeah. Like you bought it the first time. It's the exact same thing. Well, how do you not know that like, okay, a completely medical anomaly. I will buy that happening to your family one fucking time. One time. But like when they're dying at like random ages and one Mm -hmm. died one nearly died of being electrocuted (laughs) right like there's no genetic disposition for being smoked (laughs) (laughs) so ellen tells the woman at the hospital that he stopped breathing that night so timelines are not matching up so weirdly enough paul's first wife susan was also in the er at the same time with her daughter who had like a fever and ellen goes up to her and is like same thing happened again we donated Stephen's eyes. We're in the thick of it. Yeah. You should be currently f- dealing with it. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's like, stop insisting. Like, same thing. Yeah. Same thing happened. Can you believe it? As they are walking out of the hospital together, Ellen points to two handsome men in the hallway and says, I don't know what I'm going to do if they both want me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Ew, Ellen. But even beyond, like, how ghoulish, even beyond that, like, no, they're not. They're right. not looking at you. They don't want you. And you don't have to do anything. It, nothing is happening. You know what, Ellen? That's a non-issue. <laughs> <laughs> you are safe. You're safe. 
<laughs> Ellen, I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> so Ellen calls Deanne again and tells her the story. And Deanne's like, wait, I thought he died in the night. So like she's hearing from different people. But now she's like, oh, Ellen is something rotten in the yeah. state of Ellen. You know what I mean? So Deanne calls her friend in the police department. He takes the names and information. He speaks to someone in the homicide unit. And um, the medical examiner is doing Stephen's autopsy. Um, hasn't yet found cause of death. And it's the same man who did David's. So he's like already odd. Two dead kids from the same family. And like no clear. No clear reason. Medical issue here. Mm-hmm. Paul now learns about Stephen's death as well. And he's like, what? He says, what is she doing to those kids? But he doesn't really do anything. He just calls his local police in Tucson and CPS. But he didn't contact anyone in St. Louis or reach out to Ellen herself. Or go there. Or go there. Freak. Yeah, he's a freak. <laughs> <laughs> so the police interview Deanne and some of other friends. They learn about the new life insurance policies. Forgot. They also learn that she just bought a new car in cash, like, and didn't sell her old one. Like, just buying cars. We're living large but we don't have a phone and she hasn't purchased headstones for either boys now so she went to a different funeral a cheaper funeral home for steven but um the other funeral home like contacted them was like just so you know like she doesn't pay her fucking bills so they like made her pay up front but she was like gonna skip out Mm -hmm. on both of them so eventually experts rule out all other causes of death for both boys besides mechanical asphyxiation and they also do testing on Ellen and Stacy, and it reveals no genetic disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, CPS gets an anonymous call about both of these deaths and the hairdryer incident. So Deanne did not know about the hairdryer incident. So we don't know who this anonymous call was. Okay. Maybe her mom? Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Maybe Stacy. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so between me and you. <laughs> that was her smoking. <laughs> they send someone out to the school to interview stacy um when asked about the hairdryer incident she's like who told you about that <laughs> <laughs> she said steven did it but in later interviews with the police she will change the story and say it was certainly mommy so ellen is also interviewed and tells the same story about the hairdryer um but other people in the community are suspecting her now they are withholding money that they raised for her and are like we're gonna give it to stacy not you bitch because we know you got that new car so a neighbor in their apartment building comes forward about the night of the hairdryer saying they heard yelling and heard stacy yelling he was not in the bathroom oh to her mom Mm -hmm. okay seems pretty clear to me they bring ellen in for an interview and she agrees to take a poly which is inconclusive They ask her about medical bills from David's death. They just found out that she claimed in bankruptcy court that she owed $16,000 for her son's medical bills when really insurance had paid for virtually all of it. You can't lie in court. Girl. What? What? We will easily check that. We will eat you alive. (laughs) (laughs) You're going down. September 12th, 1991, she's indicted for murder for both Stephen and David, and one count of assault for the hairdryer thing. They're not letting that go. Um, they arrest her and sit her in a room filled like with all of her documents like hung up on the walls. But they do like a funny like little trick. They like bring her into a room with like a sign on it that says the Bohm case, and then they have like 
full ashtrays on the table and like empty coffee cups in there to make it seem like they had a whole We've been working on it squad for a while. on it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of cute. That's pretty funny. And she basically immediately confesses to killing both of her sons. She says that she was overwhelmed as a single mother and that she, quote, gave in to killing them. Quote, I put the couch pillow over him and my hands were on both sides and he was really strong. He did struggle a little. And then I put that couch pillow right there for about 45 seconds at the most. Then I put the pillow back on the back on the couch. And at this point, he was lying on his back. I called my girlfriend and we talked, you know, about what each of us did for Thanksgiving. Taking she's telling it in a very like not accountable way no she gave in like it's this irresistible and, like, impulse i put we all the have. pillow o- over him for a while mm-hmm. and then i put it back on the couch like no, no no you like pushed it against your struggling little body right like you, you had to I mean? fight to continue doing it yeah yeah it was a passive act yeah. yeah um she did not admit to the hair dryer she will not take that on um she would plead guilty if they took the death penalty off the table so she does um, she's sentenced to two life terms to run concurrently. So like she's not getting out mm-hmm. and Stacy was put into foster care and has a different name. Um, that's that. Good for her. Yeah, I guess. I hope she's okay. Well, she got out. She got out by the skin of her goddamn teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would never take a bath again. I know. I was thinking about that when we were first talking about it. I'm like, she is going to be, she can't take baths. That's so traumatizing. I will never have another tubby time in my fucking life. No, or like close your eyes around water. (laughs) Well, goddamn, tell no one. 